0: Welcome, Nexus Church Online family, to our series in the book of Mark, simply titled Mark. Over the course of this year, we've been taking a look at the book of Mark, and over this summer, we've simplified it and taken it piece by piece and examined what exactly it looks like to follow after Jesus I love the book of Mark. It is full of stories. It's full of teachings that Jesus did for us, his followers. And it is my hope and prayer that as you followed along and listened on your own, that this encourages you, challenges you, and maybe even brings you some comfort in your life in this world that we find ourselves in. And so if you would like more information about uh, who we are as Nexus Church or would like to give online, uh, you can go to NexusChurchMN.com. Uh, that's all one word, NexusChurchMN.com. And we'll have all the information there for you. Uh, you can also follow us along on Facebook if you are on Facebook at NexusChurchMN. You can also uh, email us at nexuschurchmn at gmail.com, Facebook messages, uh, do whatever works for you so that we can connect and help you in your journey in following Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Welcome Nexus Church family to this week's message in our series titled Mark. Now this week we're taking a look at a story that is pretty familiar. Uh, if you've been joining us in these few weeks that we've been in the book of Mark over the course of the year, uh, we've examined something similar to this happening. And that is Jesus being rejected. In fact, this won't be the last time, of course, he's rejected. But in his own town, the town of Nazareth, where he spent his life being raised by his family, he goes back and he is rejected. He is In fact, limited in what he can do in his own hometown because of simple unbelief. Now, today we're going to be looking at how that impacts our own life. If you're anything like me, you've experienced rejection, letdown. You've you've asked these questions, am I really accomplishing anything in my life? And it is my hope today that from this story that we can gain encouragement from Jesus and His disciples, because He, in fact, taught His disciples the same, to look for areas of greatest influence. In fact, that's the title of today's message. Can we find areas where we can impact others to the best of our ability? I believe you can. And it is throughout the course of this time together today that I hope to end with you coming up with three areas of your own life where you know that you alone are called to serve. You are called to influence. And so let's get into today's message found in Mark Six verses one through thirteen, and we begin in verse one. He left there and came to his hometown. Now, if you're with us last week, you remember that Jesus had just finished healing two people, like a lady who was in a pretty severe state. She's, she she sold everything, spent all of her money to be fixed by a doctor. Couldn't be fixed, right? And Jesus simply is walking along. She touched him, and she's healed instantly. Well, he gets to this high official named Jairus' house, and he was there to heal his daughter. Well, his daughter dies, and he still goes anyway, right? Jesus still goes, and he heals her, raises her from the dead. What an ultimate healing, right? And so he gets done with that. Now he goes back to his hometown, maybe to, to catch up with his family, round two. You know, like maybe they got it last time. And he goes back again. And once again, he's faced with the same dilemma. So he's at his own hometown, and his disciples are following him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, right? Teaching like he always does. And many who heard him were astonished. But not the right kind of astonishment. They said, where did this man get these things. What is the wisdom that has been given to him and how are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Jose and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except In his own hometown, among his relatives and in his household, he was not able to do a miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He is going around the villages teaching. Verse 7, he summoned the twelve and began then to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put an extra shirt. He said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. What an interesting return that Jesus has once again in his hometown. Right? He left. He left. A simple carpenter, right? No special training, no great influence, nothing. But then he returns with great influence. With, with the power to heal, to, to teach, and to influence a massive amount of people. He had a great following. And so put yourself into the shoes of these people in his hometown. He's just a carpenter with no special training. He didn't go to that high elite school to to create in him this, this magnificent ability to become this Jewish synagogue leader or high priest or anything of stature at all. He was a simple carpenter's son. This led to so much confusion, to doubt, right? What did they do? They questioned him. Isn't this, we're so confused. This, he can't be anything special, right? Confusion and doubt filled them, which led quickly to jealousy and offense. They were offended by him. How could this be? This isn't is possible. And then they were offended. Mark says in verse 3, they were offended by him. Nothing more, nothing less. They were offended. I don't know if you've experienced this kind of thing before. I mean, my life, maybe it's because I, I'm a type A or I'm a competitive guy, but I, I've I've been in this place so much in my life, whether it was working in the grocery store as a manager and, and rising up to leadership early in my teen years, right? Like uh, the, the moment I got hired there, I was looking for ways to, to get better. I wanted to be the best part-time employee I could possibly be. And when I got to be a manager, then I wanted to be the best manager. I wanted to raise up to be the highest. But it doesn't take long to realize that there's always going to be people better than you. There's going to be more skilled, more intelligent people, and though you work hard, there's going to be those who rise up, that come after you, that go further and do better. And that's created this spirit of of anger and angst and jealousy inside myself, and it can lead to offense so quickly and bitterness so quickly. That's one thing, but then to have it creep into our our churches, our leaders, our family members within our church. That's what was happening with Jesus. His own family, his church people were looking at him and saying, how can this be? He He can't know anything about God. He can't be better than anybody else. He's just one of us. How can God speak to him specially? It's happened in my own life. as I've, I've seen pastors come in after, after I've established in, in my own ministry, and, and they come in and instantly they have this massive success, and people are getting saved, and people are being sent out. And you look around, and, and, and you get jealous. You're like, there's no way. How can they be doing this good? Why are they better? And you make excuses, and you get offended. Here's the thing. It affects your relationship with others. Right? Jealousy and offense impacts our relationship with others, but more than anything, jealousy and offense affect our relationship with God. It affects our relationship with God. What what happened in our story today? Listen to this. He was not. Able to do a miracle there, except for a few little things, right? How sad. How sad that that something that (laughs) shouldn't have happened. Right like I don't know about you, but but for me, the, the the place that I grew up in, the people that I surrounded myself with for years of growing up who influenced me the most, those are the people that I want to see impacted the most. I want to see the greatest healings, and I want to see God move more than anything else. Those are my people that is my hometown, that's my family, that's my friends that's the people I went to school with. I want to see God move. But because they see all oh, that's that's just Luke. That's just fill in the blank. Remember him? He was a nobody. It it affects us. And it impacted them. And it impacted Jesus. He was limited, but I'm sure inside it hurt. It hurt. And then turn the page. And, and not only did Jesus live this, but he taught it as well. What, what what happened is in this passage, he is sending out people to continue the work to multiply what he had already done. They'd been with him for a time now, right? We're again, we're about halfway through Jesus' ministry here in the book of Mark. And he starts sending them out so that the, the ministry impact could increase. And what does he teach them? What does he teach them? If, if a place refuses to welcome you, this is in verse 11. If they welcome you or listen to you, that's great. But if they don't, he, listen what he says, shake its dust from your feet. As a You leave to show that you've abandoned those people to their fate, right? Jesus sent them expecting God to move, but if they don't, walk away. Show them that that you've done everything you can. That's the, the symbolism of shaking the dust, right? Walk away and focus your attention. On what matters. It hurts. We don't like walking away. We want to see things happen. but but Jesus understands that we must go where the crop is ready, right? that's that's what we've learned. That's what we've learned back in 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 Mark chapter four, Jesus talks about sowing those seeds, right? sow those seeds, sow them in all the grounds, right? Prepare the soil, sow the ground. But ultimately, it's up to God. It's up to the person to receive. We can only do so much. And so Jesus is teaching this, this very important principle of uh, greatest influence. And so we must ask ourselves this important question, am I investing in what matters? Am I investing in what matters? See, another way of looking at this is your time is valuable and limited. Your time is valuable and limited. We saw that in, that in that passage, right? And throughout all of the Gospels, Jesus was going. He continually went. But where did he spend a majority of his time? If you, if you really look into what Jesus did, a majority of his time was spent one-on-one with people, right? He, he did teach to the multitudes. He did press out and, and heal many, but he spent so much time with those who would be impacted the most. Our time is limited. We must go where our influence is most received, most welcome, right? So today as we wrap up this time together, I just want to ask you a a few questions in line with where your greatest investment may be, where you can see that, that that crop will be actually produced from the seed that you plant. We don't want to go around and continually spend a majority of our time trying to Water and plant and, and go after areas where people just simply won't get it. I don't want to spend a majority of my lifetime just working and pressing in things that don't matter. and not that that people don't matter, because all people do, but our time is. Very short. And I don't want to waste my time and get to the end of my days and look back and say, I spent it all on the wrong thing. I'm making money at this job, spending hours in the office, or making my house look immaculate, or working on that car all the time, playing that sport. What really mattered was my family, my time with God. And so I want to ask you these, these three questions and maybe help you start thinking along the lines of creating this legacy, putting putting your time into where you would get the greatest investment. So the first question for you today that you need to ask is, am I accomplishing what is most important, may I add, in the kingdom of God? Am, am I accomplishing what I am doing right now? Start where you are right now. Don't look at the past. Don't look at the future. Right now is what I'm doing, accomplishing the greatest amount for the kingdom of God. Another question maybe to ask yourself a different different way of looking at it, is what will carry the greatest influence beyond me? Who am I investing in that can stand on my shoulders and go further and farther than myself? Are you investing in others? Who is it? Another question maybe to help yourself is, what... Are the areas in my life that only I can influence? I, I really like that thought. What are the areas in my life that only I can influence? You see, there are certain things that you can do that nobody else can do. Explain that in a moment. But Francis Chen put it this way, and, and, and maybe this will help you today to get your mind around that a little bit more. He said, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but a succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Some of those questions maybe get you thinking a little bit along the lines of, what is my greatest influence? What, what matters? What can only I do? Who am I investing in that can carry this call of God further and farther? See, Jesus put it this way in Matthew five sixteen: Will you let your light shine before others? so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Isn't that what we want? We want people to see our lives and glorify God. That's, that's it. That's my prayer for you. I mean, if we could just leave it right there, every message for the rest of my life, end it right there. I want people to see you and give glory to God. Whether they get it or not, that they just say, man, That person gets it. I want to glorify God. Right? That's it. So good. So what is it for you? Examine your life right now. What are you doing that has the greatest influence? What is your greatest investment? Today I want to share just a few of my own. Maybe, maybe to help you. Just I need examples. I'm one of those guys where I'm like, okay, give me an example of what that means. I don't understand what you're saying. Maybe you do. Maybe you've already written your three down and and you want to share that with somebody. I encourage you to to share that with somebody. Whether it's an accountability group, whether it's a best friend, a parent, a coworker, somebody. Maybe it's just simply throw it online in our Our comment section, you see, we need that so we can have that reminder so that those who are closest to us and those we trust will say, hey, remember, what are you pressing in towards? What is most important? Are you spending your time on that? It's good to have others. If there's one thing I've learned over the course of this last year, and that is we need others in our lives so that we can be Held accountable, but more importantly, so that we don't falter and quit. God has given us others. So what are those three for you? For me, I'm telling you, there's only one person who will take care of me. and That is me. Obviously, Jesus is in control, and he is, he is definitely over me, and, and I am not my own. I've been bought with a price, a price that I cannot pay. So I am ultimately God's, and he watches over me. He loves me. But I'm telling you that if I don't take care of my physical health, nobody else will do it for me. If I don't take care of my emotional health and my mental health and make sure that I am healthy inside, nobody else will. If I don't take care of my spiritual connection with God, nobody else will. I am responsible for myself, and so are you. I hope one of your three, you write down, is yourself. You are responsible for yourself. You are the greatest influence over your own life. What you allow is who you become. What you focus on, what you're intentional about is what you will become. You have the greatest influence on yourself. My number two is my family. I hope your family is on there somewhere. We all have a brother or a sister or a mom or dad or somebody who stepped into our life to play that role. My family is important to me. They, they have the most deep, intimate relationship with me. Sure, there's other people who care about them and will pour into them, but I as a dad, as a husband, I as a son, or a brother, nobody else care for them like I can. So my family is my second, and my third one is my ministry. Now, that may differ for some of you. Your ministry may be your job. For me, it's my church. My church is my first and foremost priority in my ministry. Your ministry may start and end someplace else in this world. Now, I also have other things that fit into ministry as well. I have our community. Sure, there's other people that care about our community, but I as a pastor care about it in a different way. I also care about our now generation coming up, those in our our church and in our community who will stand on our shoulders. They are my greatest investment. Partnering with other churches, I am the lead in partnering with other churches in our own church. Those are the areas that that I believe my myself, my family, and my personal ministry within my church, in my community, and in the now generation. Those are the areas that, that I believe I have the greatest influence on. And I myself want to continually check myself. Am I focusing on my greatest influence? So that when I get to the end of my life, I can say, I stay true to what God called me to. And that is my prayer for you. Share that with others. Let them know what only you can do so that you can get to the end of your life someday and say, I stay true. I did the best I could, and God did the rest. And so, Father, I pray for those listening today that they will be open and honest, not just with themselves, but with others, Father, that they will share, God, what their three are, and that they will stay committed to those, that they will write them down, they'll look at them, they'll keep themselves accountable to that. So, Father, but when they get done with this life, they can be proud that they did not waver, they stayed true. And I pray you would strengthen them, you would surround them with your Holy Spirit and with others, God, that would encourage them and challenge them and bring them comfort in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Nexus Church family, for joining us today. We'll see you again soon.